Ladies and gentlemen, please enter the auditorium at this time because I am joined by a very, very good friend of mine, a comedian, a writer, an actor, and someone who's not holding me hostage because it's taken this long to get him on the show. But uh, it's Richard Newnham. How are you doing, bud? I'm great, thanks. Yeah, I've, I've been looking forward to doing this like, for so long. Um. <laughs> I'd had a list of people and like um, I thought, right, I need to take a break from series one now because of just everything that's going on. It's like, right, get Richard on the next uh, series. So episode two, here he is. And he's uh, still in his character with the red hat, the uh, Welsh jersey. Uh, some things never change. <laughs> ah. Before we actually get started, could you tell the audience a little bit about you? Like, what's your experiences with the performance industry, entertainment and all that sort of thing? Uh, well, there's lots to say, really. I mean, um, like I've been involved with a company called Hijinks, works with um, actors uh, with um, learning disabilities and neurodivergent actors as well. Mm-hmm. In fact, my title's associate artist. And also, I'm going to go personal because I've worked with Scott before on a few things. I've also um, done some short films as well with um, uh, so- someone who uh, I think was in the last uh, series, I think. Uh, he's certain Mr... Daniel Mr. Sean, Sean yes. I think. Yes. Um, a lot of uh, connections between that episode and you because like Ducks of the Dead, Wenglish, we got flatmates and yeah. there's a whole lot of stories for there. I still remember actually the day we filmed your bits in Ducks of the Dead. It was nuts because... Um, oh God, Jedward uh, Cummins. That was... Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. And It's just weird to think uh, now because I had hair at that point. Disturbing thing was, so did I. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we just had a bag of flour and these stupid plasticine eyeballs were just bumbling flour. Do you remember when we had to do another take because Dan was just saying, it's like, Rich, that was fine, but your hand was in the shot. So it's like, is that how you kill vampires now? It's like you just uh, throw flour at them. It's like, big on, big on, you were just sparkly kind. <laughs> then it ended with just a pile of flour, like a molehill with a pair of eyeballs sticking on <laughs> Hey, mate, you've got to make your own uh, practical effects these days. Well, that's pretty much it. I mean, I mean, I mean I'm not Ray Harryhausen or, or Stan Winston or anything like that. I just best we could. You mentioned about uh, flatmates. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Oh, yeah. Well, um, flatmates, it's sort of like uh, the sort of after Ducks of the Dead, it's sort of like the, what it stemmed into. Hmm. And basically, it follows the characters of rich and dan who are played unsurprisingly by someone called richard and someone called dan and <laughs> um, they basically they move into uh, a place which they think is going to be paradise but it's going to be a pigsty and it was a joint effort it was funded by unlimited impact and hygiene follows the lives of these characters and they go into this pigsty of a place even though they thought it was paradise and they meet some weird characters and they go through some insane scenarios if you think of things like Young ones or um, spaced mm. is a big one. If you think of space, that's yeah, uh, very much like that. <laughs> just like in many ways. And as you remember, remember you wrote an episode. I think uh, it, it didn't get filmed, but I remember you wrote an episode to us, a Valentine's Day themed episode, if I remember correctly. That's right. I think we were in a pub, and then we went in, and there was different like. Um, I love that episode. I remember sending it to Dan and he was just like, oh my God, this I'll send this to Rich. You know, it's like, yeah, sure, whatever. I just did it for a bit of fun while I was at uni. I he was like, it. oh, Rich, Rich, you got to see this. Got rid of that episode. And I read it. I just thought, oh God, that's brilliant. <laughs> just, I love it. Yeah, you can write a sitcom. I know you can write a sitcom there, <laughs> Just need to get um, the creative juices going now, and I think. Get them rambling, get them rambling. <laughs> <laughs> you do a bit of stand-up comedy as well. So how did that come about? Well, to be honest, I've um, always found stand-up comedy fascinating, even when I was a school kid. Um, in fact, the first time I did stand-up was in school, in mm. my drama class. So I was standing in front of my drama class, and um, I was scared because I thought, okay, this is going to go one of two ways. Either I'm going to be funny, or I'm going to get crucified. Mm. One of those two things. And I was like, oh, God, oh, God. Which you do, when I think, first time going there. It's going to be really scary. And one of my uh, fellow drama classmates said to me, like, don't, Rich, even if you're shit, we'll laugh at you. Which I don't know whether to take that as a supportive <laughs> <or> something. <laughs> 
but yeah, then I, I did like the odds one or two gig here and there, but it wasn't until probably, it was like 2017 or 2018, it got more regular. I started doing more gigs around in uh, England, uh, in Wales. And of course, over this, the last two years of COVID also went Zoom over America, Asia, Australia. So I've got net, it's been spreading my network a bit. And yeah. I've learned some good lessons. Like one of the big lessons I've learned is, because it's scary stand-up, is to just remember that the audience is on your side. The audience wants you to succeed. They want to laugh at you. Yeah. They're not going to go in there thinking, I'm just here to boo this shit, you know, just, just like, they're not going to do that. Yeah, it's not like that one fan who goes to every, like, Jimmy Carr show and thinks, I'm going to heckle them just so they'll insult me sort of thing. It's like, at the end of the day, people who buy comedy tickets want to be entertained and have a laugh, so. Yeah, and comedy is an optimistic thing. I think it's a very optimistic um, kind of art form. I mean, I mean, have you ever seen someone go out of a stand-up show and thinking, oh, I didn't like that, it was too funny. You, you don't, you don't no. get that. It's just... I mean, I have been to a comedy gig where someone got hostile with um, a member of the audience, so that was uh, interesting. I was staying over at my friend Lawrence's when I was um, auditioning for a production in London, and we went to a comedy night in this pub. It was a free mentry sort of thing, so... And it was all right to start with, um, typical jokes here and there. It was like, yeah, cool, awesome. And then there was like this one guy who he was um, talking to in the audience, but I don't think he'd ever been to a comedy show. And then because he just wouldn't stop talking, the comedian just got very angry. He just started shouting and ripping into I was like, I'm feeling uncomfortable now. <laughs> oh, I want to leave. Um, yeah, that sounded like a gig in Bristol. I think something like that happened. I mean, not with me, but there were other, <laughs> the other comedians were very put off by the audiences because they were drunk and they were like, it was so loud yeah and uh i went up and um i actually loved it i actually loved it just taking the neck out of it just like and i was doing a bit and i was like oh michelle and gumreich and uh the audience was like uh no <laughs> and i was just like wow amazing you actually answered my question correctly in english but anyway you just like... <laughs> that was going to be my next question like um with in regards to stand-up comedy, how do you feel like it differs like from other stuff you've done in terms of like just straight up performances? Because I obviously you've got to think on the fly with stand-up if like a crowd reacts differently, whereas like in a script you have to kind of stick to it. How would you say the two like differ or do they kind of go hand in hand? That's actually a really good question. I think it's um in terms of whether they go hand in hand, um, I think the answer to that in short is yes and no. Because there are differences, of course. Because I mean I suppose the main difference with, with um, stand-up comedy is that it's a more specialised to make someone laugh. Yeah. That's probably the biggest difference of all. Whereas uh, with drama, of course, you know, with the script, you could do all sorts. You can do tragedy, you could do uh, comedy, you could do all, all kinds, whereas comedy is more specialised. And I actually feel, because I did, to be honest, even though I, I loved um, uh, comedy, I wanted to be a stand-up for a long time. I found I'd done a lot more up until a certain point, I've done a lot more plays, a lot more um, drama stuff mm. up until that point. And I feel like that kind of helped in a sense, because um, in a sense, when you do stand up, you do sort of play a character in a sense. Even though I go on and my name's Richard Newnham, you know, I, yeah, yeah. I sort of make up a sort of a bit like flatmates, I suppose, a, a version of me. It's almost like your personality is cranked up to 11 sort of thing. Yeah, you, go, you can go ridiculous with it. You can do like, I mean, because I think it took a while to find the style mm. is as a punner and a storyteller. Yeah. And I think with that, then I could then make up stories um, sometimes based on what people said. I mean, actually I spoke to my dad at one point. And he lives in France, remember? I spoke to him via messenger. Yeah. And he told me this. He said this thing. And I just cracked up laughing just because of his wording was so... It's like, you can't write this. It's... <laughs> and basically, he said to me, um, uh, Hi, Dad. Why, why, how have you been? And he said, uh, Oh, not good. I mean, I had to go to the opticians to see if my eyesight was uh, was good or not. And, uh, and apparently, I couldn't find the place. And I just thought... <laughs> Did you have any awareness of what he just said? So just... <laughs> Hopefully, he found the place and he's got um, his glasses sorted out. Yeah, he doesn't get on with opticians. He, he can have the eye tie with them for some reason. Like that, but, uh... <laughs> We're in for a long one, people. You have been warned. Yep, in for a long one. But yeah, <laughs> I, I think 
acting helps. I think acting, yes, there's differences because I think to answer your question, I think it's more specialized in making people laugh than, hmm. you know, dramas in general. Going with that mantra that, you know, the audience is there to support you. They're there to laugh at you. They don't want you to fail. It's a brilliant help too. Hmm. I suppose you kind of had to think on your feet a little bit when it comes to stand-up because this leads into my next question for you. Have you ever had to change up your set material for a specific audience? Like you've gone there or you've listened to another comedian and then you think, oh, the response isn't exactly the way I expected so I have to change some stuff up on the fly or haven't you had that sort of thing yet? Sometimes I do. Sometimes it's like, so one of the first questions I ask is, what is the audience like? I mean, yeah. and because then if you know what the audience like, then you think, okay, I think I know what kind of things like a joke about with there. Like, um, I mean, for instance, like if like the audience is like families and stuff and kids, <laughs> I just think, okay, so maybe sex jokes and swearing jokes is probably not the way to go here. You know, it's all that <laughs> like that. And some of those fun moments is when if someone says something and you think, wait a minute, I could play with that. Yeah. I, I could play with that with the stuff I've written and then just <laughs> I always find those moments fun and they don't know what to expect of that and <laughs> like you said one of the things that stand up is you are on your feet pretty much hmm. and sometimes a lot of comedians sometimes you see comedians and they have notes of stuff they're going to do like the material yeah um this is where acting comes in a little bit I try not to do that I try to um be the character and just see it like you know, like I'm talking to you now, like I'm talking, just saying, saying it without, um, you rather than like, um, in the moment sort of thing. Yeah. Rather than like, um, okay. So on to the next joke I'm going to tell you now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that's the thing, like sometimes you could see comedians when they're blatantly following a script and yeah, they're getting the few laughs in between. It's almost like they've um, written in, they will laugh here, I will then go on to other jokes sort of thing. But then there's other comedians, like for example, one of my favourites is Ross Noble. Oh, I, I love Ross Noble. He's Just because funny. he's yeah. so, so random, but it's almost like he's going with the audience. Like he'll walk out and then all of a sudden just start making like 20 minutes of like a rant or um, a story based on what somebody's um, dressed up like in the audience or something. It's just hilarious. Yeah, just going off on a story is a fantastic way. That's why I love I love the storytelling style. And I'll be honest, I used to lose faith in the pun style until much recently. I think I think it's because I don't know. My dad is a punner. Hmm. Um, sometimes, as you find out, as you find out from what I told you, unintentionally as well as intentionally. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think I, I just feel like. There's something about a dad joke. When you say a dad joke, you just think, oh, God. It's like, you think it's it's crap, but it's... It's easy. It's so easy to listen to and just uh, ring off if somebody says, right, you want a joke? There's one. There was one story, actually, when um, I was doing a gig in Pontypridd mm -hmm. uh, back in November, and it was a live one, which is cool. <laughs> and there was one joke I did, which I thought was going to be crap, yeah. until the very last moment because of the audience reaction i mean but basically i, I was saying like um i don't know if it's because my name's richard but uh apparently i don't know but people refer to me by a certain four-letter word and that word has the letters d i and k in it and i didn't hear any laughter and i was thought it was gonna yeah be and i just and i just said yeah you guessed it the the word is of course kind and then everyone just broad laughing at it. It's, not... <laughs> it's just amazing, like, what audiences react to differently. That's why they always say you should never stick to the same sort of script in comedy because, like, every audience is going to be different. Like, Tim Vine is a very different comedian from Ben Elton, for example, because mm. Ben Elton is very political and uh, Tim Vine is more of a punner. So, yeah. And the moral of the story is, everyone, do your research on where you're performing. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, I'm going to ask my guest, Richard, two things. And don't worry, he's not rejecting anything yet. So, Richard, please don't have a meltdown. You could still have the other thing after. What would you rather watch right now as a viewer? A stand-up comedy show or a sitcom comedy? Oh, God. Start with a hard one. Um, so, like, what, what would you want to watch, like, right now? If you thought, right, I'm going to put a DVD right in, um, and then it's like... I'm going to say um, stand-up. I'm going to say stand-up, because I feel like I'll probably learn more of the techniques from there. Like, I yeah. Think, so. Any comedian that's your go-to? Oh, I'm, I'm going to check Bill Bailey there, because he was one of the biggest influences for me. I used to watch him a lot, and a lot of that really stuck with me, I think. That man is amazing. 
Oh. No wonder he won Strictly Come Dancing a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a great day clarinet, and um, I'm here a cappella in to Britney Spears Toxic with some delusional fuckwit. So, no, I, <laughs> I'm better than this. I don't need this. I'm like, I love it. That, that's actually not a bad Bill Bra- Bailey impression. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> I got some impressions up my sleeve. Buy one. Do them all <laughs> in one go. Right then. Would you rather a winter or summer holiday? Oh, that's hard. Not as hard as the first one, but that is hard. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say summer, just because there's probably more to do in the summer. There's probably more things open. And mm. it's just, I feel like there's probably more to do in the summer than in the winter, because winter, there's Christmas, and it drags on a little bit in between there and then. So. Especially during the winter when you've got people like Dudley and Eunice um, blowing a gale and then destroying roofs. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like paper. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, so good choice. Right. Only Fools and Horses question. Now, I asked this to Dan. Now, would you rather a Grandad Trotter episode or an Uncle Albert episode? Oh, the first thought, fair enough, is um, I suppose the Grandad episodes, I think, Hmm. because, um, I mean, I love Uncle Albert as a character and his episodes are funny. So it's no dissing those episodes at all no no of course not but i suppose i'm just curious about the granddad episodes i've seen some of them and they crap me up and i and i suppose going with that thing you know the original can't beat the originals then i suppose you know go yeah. on that angle then and the thing is he was always such a quiet character but then when he did say something it was always just like out of left field i had a lot of sober thoughts rodney it was them that started me drinking <laughs> Oh, can I check in on impressions and talk about only for Yeah, sources? absolutely. Go for it. Um, this is uh, out of respect for the late, great John Chalice's voice. Um, for God's sake, Marlene. Just like, that's basically. <laughs> for God's sake, Marlene, will you come <laughs> along while listening to a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I got to meet that man once. Well, twice, actually. I met him at Comic-Con and I met him when me and Dan went to see his show in Snatchley. Or as the sat would oh. say, Lanelli. Lanelli. <laughs> <laughs> but again, that what a great man that was. And oh, su- such a person. Awesome. Oh, God. Gone but not forgotten. <laughs> exactly. A pizza night at home or a pub quiz? Pizza night at home or a pub quiz? Um, I'm going to say uh, pizza night at home because most of the pub quizzes, mm. um, I think at home when you have pizza, you can do you can sit in your pants you can and just relax and just like i mean if you want to wear pants and just like you know just not not worry about what anyone else thinks you know you don't have to dress up fancy for anyone yeah that's it yeah enjoy enjoy your you know your meat feast pizza you know just in the luxury of your own nice okay reading books or watching films oh oh god um if you asked me that a few years ago i probably would have said watching films Hmm. Um, I'm going to say watching films again, I think, because I've started to read more books as well. I mean, we've read Lord of the Rings and I've read, um, uh, actually read the Jurassic Park books and I've even listened to them. Hmm. But I don't know, it's just about films, I suppose, because I'm an actor, I suppose, as well. Yeah. Um, I, I am curious about the methods, the techniques, the way that they're, they're done. So, yeah, I get it. That's fair. And last question again, a bit of comedy and TV related. Family Guy or The Simpsons? Okay, that's the easiest one of all. I'm going to say The Simpsons, I think, just because, um, you know, Family Guy some funny moments. The characters, I think, are just much better in The Simpsons, I think. And um, yeah, even Homer, he has more redeeming factors than Peter Griffin does. So I agree. And like, especially later series of Family Guy, I felt it became way more about the cutaway gags than it did actually about the episodes. And I'm like, oh my God, this is just getting boring now. It's like you've had a dark comedy and it felt like it was being more dark than comedy a lot of the times. So just think, mm. um, come on, up with the comedy, up with the comedy, you know. Like yeah. I think right now, I think if I was Stewie Griffin, I'd say, go away, family guy. That's basically what I would. That basically sums it up perfectly. What is the first heckler that you are getting out of this um, audience tonight? Or what do you want to boot out of the industry? I'm going to pick on over-censorship. 
that idea of just like you know shutting off what people can say or mm. that feeling like oh you shouldn't say that or we can't can't joke about that or talk about that you know that sort yeah. of thing. and and i mean don't get me wrong i mean i no one's out to offend anybody if they no. are then they're dicks but <laughs> the point is it's like if you do it so much i mean and even like films you know like because obviously you have um oh you can't show that how are you gonna how are you gonna set that if you don't have censorship how can you not get the right films there well that's why they have parent parental guides like you know pg 12 18 you know to, <laughs> to guide you i mean you wouldn't show the film alien to like a kid would you well my mm. dad did but uh and look how that turned out but, is, but we digress yeah but i think you know sometimes we live in a world where they it's like that i feel like that my philosophy is censorship is the death of comedy i think in many ways mm. and um I'm actually going to bring flatmates into this because I remember when Dan and I were writing flatmates, one of the questions I asked was, because um, again, I asked my audiences, you know, mm -hmm. well, is there anything we should take out or anything we shouldn't write in? And the thing we were told was to just let it all out. Yeah. Anything that comes in your head, write it all down. Don't censor your stuff. Just let it all out on the paper and just... And that is one of the best piece of advice I could give, I think. And um, mm. and um, I also did a, recorded some comedians last year yeah. for a show. And there's this comedian um, who was like a musical comedian who does songs. And mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know why I was doing the guitar mime all the time. <laughs> but, um, it's but just she an asked me, thing. Rick, you just think of like musicians, like guitar, air guitar. Some in instruments are cooler than others, aren't they? Like, you know, you think we hear someone say, Oh, have you seen my mate? He's a guitarist. Yeah, and that sounds cool. They say, Have you seen my mate? He plays the triangle. And you don't get the same songs like that. Yeah, do that triangle thing. She said to me, Rich, um, uh, just you know, some of my song, my, one of my songs has the C word in it. Um, should I? what do you think should i edit it out or should i keep it in I, I don't know and yeah the c word isn't the nicest word to use but hmm. i just think just just go with it just just have fun just have fun i i I'd rather i even said to her as well like you know censorship is the death of comedy just go with it I, yeah whatever you got chuck it in i'm i'm that's that's my belief you know i mean obviously don't try to offend or hurt anyone but no don't contain yourself in a box either i think that's it goes back to what we were saying earlier before we got onto this section it's where it's almost like comedians are playing personalities of themselves but amped up to 11 and i think that gets misconstrued by audience members when they think oh that's their actual thought it's like no they're just making jokes it's like it, they're not saying these things because they hate anyone or anything like that unless like you're um annoying customers in retail but i digress on that point you're playing a character. You're saying stuff that that character would say. When you said that, I was thinking of, um, you know, that episode of, it's a couple of years back now, but that episode of Faulty Towers mm. with, the, with the Germans. And there's that big thing because they took it off because yeah. um, they thought it was, it was racist and offensive now. Yeah. And the point is, it makes Basil Faulty look like a total and utter bastard and yeah. a, a dick. And yeah. that's. Well, it's funny, it's not making fun of the Germans. The Germans are the sensible ones in that episode. Yeah. Bloody Basil Fawlty is the idiot. He's insult people he's insulting. It's it's Basil Fawlty being a dick. John Cleese and Connie Booth were writing the character to basically summarize archetype of the people who basically came to these conclusions that all German people are evil because of the war. It's like, he's an archetype. This isn't them saying that Germans are bad or we're going to take the mick out of them. No, it's taking the mick out of a character. I think it sounds it's taking the mick out of the racist, not the race. Do you feel a lot of comedy is being too sanitized at the moment? I think probably so. I mean, like, because um, no one wants to hurt anyone, you know. Mm. No one wants to hurt anyone. That's 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 a fact. Mm. But I think, yeah, it's gone too far the other direction. You know, it's gone too far into the, um, no, no, we can't say this. We can't, you can't joke about sex because that's offensive. You can't, you know, <laughs> swear. You can't <laughs> joke about that religion. It's so far. Yeah. Whereas, basically, the most censored show in the world would basically be this. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed it. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's just it's clear. There was a South Park episode. I think it was the first Christmas one with Mr. Hanky the Christmas Pooh. Yeah. And that emphasizes the point, I think, is that you get um 
to try and appease everyone, they get rid of so many things Christmas, like, you know, they get rid of the Christmas tree, they get rid of, like, you know, the nativity or Santa, they get rid of everything. Yeah. And they show a person which is fucking shit. Everyone it's just it. like a bad, like, contemporary dance piece. It's, and it all started because, obviously, Kyle's family were Jewish and they thought it's bad that they're saying about Christmas because we don't celebrate it. But Christmas is just like a generalized holiday that, everyone can celebrate regardless but then like like you say they have to try and please everyone because when they say okay we're not celebrating christmas it's like hang on but what about the people who do celebrate it it's like well, uh, oh just have this dance performance this weird art house type of thing it's just like yeah and that was made in what 1997 yeah go on that's really showing my ages yeah it's just like and now um, it's just highlighted basically how comedy has turned out today yeah I mean, I think it's, I, I mean, I've watched all South Park episodes, but I would recommend watching that one um, because, well, for one reason, it shows how ridiculous it is when people over-censor stuff. Hmm. Um, it's funny, which is also important. Yeah. And of course, there was that gracious miracle that, that he didn't die in that episode, which is and that the was miracle a, of Christmas. <laughs> that is a very funny joke that I will always laugh at to this day. And... Another point of the argument is this. It's like, yeah, like we shouldn't over-sanitize everything. Like you said, don't be offensive for the sake of being offensive or being, oh, I'm edgy and all that. Like, I trust me, I've seen productions, like plays, I've seen comedy shows that just think, oh, we're going to shovel this in your face and because like it's offensive. It's like, well, that's not funny to me, not because it's offensive, but because you're trying too hard to offend, if that makes sense. Do you know what, what's mad about that is because um, I... Me and my wife made the terrible, terrible mistake of watching the remake of Lady and the Tramp. And um, <laughs> I could go all episodes saying everything was wrong with it. But um, <laughs> maybe it's in like the they do episode. so many things to try and make it so, yes, we're, we're including things in. Look, look, there's the owners now. They're, they're black. You see, we're including that now. And look, look, the Scottish dog is, is female now. Mm. And that's cool. And there's no... Uh, Siamese song now. No, we got rapping cats now because when you watch Lady and the Tramp, the first thing you think of is rapping cats. Which yeah, because a... that's going to age this film brilliantly, isn't it? Oh, God. And I actually got more offended watching the rapping cats than I did the Siamese <laughs> cat song. <laughs> I was just like, ah. As no, I wanted no. the cat to scratch my eyes out. That's like, ah. This kind of is similar to a point that was said by Terry Cooper in the previous episode where he was talking about how everything is being overly sanitized and then we've talked about like comedy being um to not allowed to say anything that might offend one person it's like yes offensive subjective if you are offended by something that's absolutely fine you don't have to watch it just because you don't like something doesn't mean other people might not enjoy it and as long as you're not inciting hatred uh inciting violence or anything then what's the problem yeah and with Danny and Trump, I think that film, I think they were done because they had to, not because they actually cared. It felt like um do that to show, you know, we're we're with the crowd, as it were. You know, it's like, yeah. It felt like they had to rather than they actually cared and wanted to do something smart, mm. like I don't know, write a new Disney film. You know, just like exactly. And yeah. that's the thing. Like I well, for example, I haven't seen Encanto yet. Like, I've heard hit or miss things, whether people like it or some people hate it. But, like, okay, at least I try to do something different. So I'm thinking, you've got all of these um, ideas and people writing on your committee. Why aren't you using more of these new ideas instead of just, like, rehashing things? But I will tell you an example. Like, I rewatched um, the Emma Stone Cruella film the other day. And all right, a lot of people say it's, like, some people don't like it because they think, oh, well, the character wouldn't do it this way. It's like, yeah, but you have to realize this is probably not supposed to be from the Cruella DeVille that we know from 101 Dalmatians. It's an interpretation of a character. and But that's why I respect it, because they tried doing something different. But then I think it's respect like when you... is probably the good Go one for that film, I think. Respect is good. Because I wouldn't say I... I'm not sure I'd guess when I say I like it, but I, at least it's got the excuse of being a a prequel like an origin story as opposed to just mm. remaking uh, mm. <laughs> with rapping cats you know just like <laughs> oh god Sorry, that's I... a guess to me yeah a rap to a rapping cat duet is what's going to get you box office hits yeah absolutely <laughs> great guys subscribe to disney plus for rapping cats <laughs> 
Uh, I'm, I'm cancelling Disney Plus now on my TV now. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you could be offended by something, but just stop trying to make everything safe, guys. That's just what this point comes down to, is if you want have a joke, say the joke. If you want to write something, write it down. But if you don't like it, then don't cancel somebody because you don't like something. You should be able to write whatever you want as long as you are not out there saying, I've written this, now you must all abide by my rules, and now I'm going to go out there and kill someone. It's like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that, for God's sake. But to put like a little offensive bow on this topic like i'm i'm just gonna say like people just need to actually take risks and be confident in taking risks and if you go and watch a comedian and it's all sanitized per se that's why a lot of comedians seem the same to me because like i feel like there's no variety in like comedy because they're worried about like oh someone's gonna get offended by this someone's gonna get offended by that and i'm just like who cares it's a joke on behalf of all comedians out there i want to say that i want to get rid of that concept that you have to make everything safe and sanitized Let us dive straight into the second act of the Reject or Recall podcast. Now, Richard, what has come into our audition room? Has it annoyed you personally, or is it something on a general scale that you want to get out? This could be both. It's kind of a complicated one. It's to do with labelling, I suppose, in the arts, in terms of performers and that. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, okay, if you're, let's say, if you're an actor or a performer, and you've got a certain label, and you, tre- and you keep that to your heart, and you say, you know what, I am that. Mm-hmm. I've nothing wrong with that. That's absolutely fine. I think it's more if someone else, like the media or society, gives you a label when you don't really want that label. You know, you want to just be known for you as a talent. That's why I, I think that's why I'm in there. Do you mean like uh, when they like, say it's like this is a disabled actor, this is a trans actor, or is is that what you're referring to, mate? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like they just just say it rather than ask how do you want to be known. How do you want to be known as a person? Like you know, that's basically giving the former the choice to be known for who they want to be known as you know because okay. i think yeah which i know is a complicated one i know i thought really hard how to say no for example um someone who's come out as non-binary for example yeah would you say like um the media says starring non-binary actor so and so it's like well they're just an actor yeah that's, that's what i mean yeah that's what i mean like it's just okay just... I mean, it's, it's a complicated one. I know. I, I've said this a lot now. But it's just, I feel like, you know, people should have the choice to know, be known as how they want to be known. I think yeah. people should have the choice of what, you know, like rather than just have, you know, the media say, oh, it's a, that so-and-so actor, that so-and-so actor. I just yeah. think, just, just be an actor. Just be an actor, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand that. It's like if I was in a project or a play or film or whatever, the reviews were saying starring Asperger's autistic actor. And it's like, well, I have a name. Yeah, I kind of thought there's a story, funny enough, which is similar. I mean, I was um, I was doing some kind of workshop um, at the BBC, mm-hmm. and uh, what this person in the audience asked, "So, how do you address someone with a with a disability? Um, ask their name? You know, just yeah. <laughs> like common sense, just been kicked out the window all of a sudden, like you know? Yeah, like apparently." People with disabilities deserve to be in a nature documentary or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just like we're all people. Yeah. And here, the disabled person goes around in its group, grooming the others. And if we're very quiet, we'll hear its mating call. It's just... (laughs) And I just, I'd rather... Yes, I again, I support if people own a label and they want to be known by that. I've nothing against that. That's absolutely fine. Hmm. But just allow people to be actors and, or musicians and writers, and if they want to be known, you know, as non-binary or gay or disabled, let them make the choice. Let them make the choice. Don't tell them that that's <laughs> how they should be known. That's why like, I'll tell you something. When I see roles that say, "Oh, we're looking for," um, I mean, I've got I've got Asperger's. I've, I've been diagnosed with Asperger's, but the thing is, I am quite high functioning. I've done lots of things. I've done films i've done lots of things and so when they have an audition that says we're looking for someone with autism to play as well i feel like an imposter i don't know how to, <laughs> i just felt just give me a part i'll act anything just like just yeah it's it's almost like you have to prove the, your diagnosis before you can actually apply for this role yeah yeah absolutely it's like and i feel like i'll just play anything god <laughs> i mean i I don't be playing Doctor Who, you know, put on a Welsh accent because they'd be the first Welsh doctor. Then. It's just like, 
But, Hello, I'm the doctor and I'm from the valleys of Gallifrey. Just like, you know, just like. <laughs> and we've landed the TARDIS in the run the valley. Oh, bloody hell, it's the Daleks now. <laughs> Exterminate now, you bastard. <laughs> Sometimes I find a lot of people, when they see the word disabled actor, they look at the disabled words more than the actor bit. That's basically what I yeah, see. It's like, I get you. It's, it's like. like can I ask uh, your opinion on um, something, for example, like something that's uh, come up on the show quite regularly, the authenticity of like an actor bringing something to a role. Like, so for example, what would be your thoughts on someone who wasn't disabled playing a disabled role? It's tricky. It's a tricky question because with acting, a lot of that acting is just about knowing how to play a role, not going stereotypical, you know, yeah, like being respectable, something... isn't it? Yeah. I mean, like, um, I mean, in school, I played um, uh, a gay character in a play called uh, A Taste of Honey. Mm -hmm. I think it was Sheila Delaney, I think, who wrote that. Um, Yeah. And I I played a gay character, but I purposely did not want to play the character like the stereotypical gay, you know, character, you know, like, you know, like OTT, as it were. I I thought, just play as me. Play him as me and just yeah. like, you know, just I think it's overacting when yeah. you go so far into a label or something like that that you just, <laughs> and that, I think that's what's the problem is sometimes the media does that. Yeah. It overplays a label and just like, um, oh, so wait a minute, hey, it's a table. So does that mean we need to talk to them like they're one years old and then just, it's slow and annoying. It's just, oh, I hate that. Yes, I watched the response like that. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> I spy with my little eye something beginning with A. Arsehole. It's just basically that's <laughs> what. You talking about a character being gay, for example. I had a similar situation while I was at university in my first year show. And do you know the practitioner director, Mike Lee? Basically, his method was that you um, do a lot of improvisation in order to create a script. So, like, for example, a lot of his, his films were based on, like, scenarios that the actors have created as their characters, and he made a film out of it. And that's kind of what the first-year module was working towards. So we'd uh, develop these characters, but we'd base the characters off, like, certain traits and personality quirks from people we've observed. So someone who I knew, I won't uh, mention their name on the podcast, but they were gay i was um observing their mannerisms thinking about right how do they walk how do they talk and nowhere of a lie like he did walk with like um a long stride and his arms would basically wave as he's going back and forth and that's just the way he was like he wasn't doing it as a thing it was just that was the way he walked and looking back on it some people might look at me and think hang on you're just playing a stereotype it's like well you can think that but there this is a person i have observed and I have put into the thing. So again, I think there's always going to be that stigma that people think you are overacting or doing this. But then as long as you know you're trying to be as, as truthful as possible, then I don't think there's really a problem. Yeah, I think it's just asking questions, I think. In terms of performance, um, whether it's stand-up, acting, singing, whatever, mm. just allow them to be the artist. Allow them yeah. to be the person. Let yeah. them decide whether they want to be known as gay or Mm. buy or disable let them decide give them the choice not don't just say okay scott you're a duck <laughs> we are going to you're going to be a duck because that's what we told you you're going to be labeled as a duck <laughs> <laughs> just give me some quackers <laughs> oh god it's rubbing off on me now <laughs> oh, i'm glad i'm leaving an impression on you <laughs> <laughs> you always that, do, I suppose that of all the choices i had did this was probably the hardest ones because the wording and just like yeah, and it's just thinking, like, how do we put this into, like, one category, for example? It's like, I suppose if I went into an audition or, I don't know, I went to apply for a job, I would mention that I have Asperger's, for example, because, like, sometimes, like, it can take me a bit of uh, time to take in certain, like, um, instructions. Like, I might misconstrue uh, something or whatever. But I don't want to get the role because I have Asperger's, I want to get it because they think I'm I can do the job. Yeah, you auditioned for it, you've you know done the part, and they could think, oh, actually, he plays that part really well. Let's give him the part. You you want to feel like you want to earn what you're 
getting the role for, not just because yeah. you know someone said, "Oh, you've uh, you're gay, so play this gay role." It's just like it's not like yeah. that. Just, um, you know, just just doing it out of category rather than actually out of talent, out of auditioning, out of well, as you say about categories and all that. You know the point you made earlier about. Um all these productions feeling like they've got like a checklist of things they have to put in. It's like, we have to cast someone of this ethnicity, of this sexuality, of this background, of this uh, political stance, you know? You're being labeled then more because like, oh, we're putting you in this because we need someone who's like this, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what, yeah, I think think that's where I'm getting at, I think, with this. I think it's Hmm. more, I mean, I think in short, just allow the talent of the performer to come out more rather than they've been labeled as, you know, like, um, yeah. like for instance, I'm going to give an example, Dan Aykroyd, for instance, like, you know, Dan Aykroyd has been, has been, I think he's diagnosed with Asperger's. Yes, he is. But when you think Dan Aykroyd, you don't think Asperger's, you think Ghostbusters or yeah. Blues Brothers. That's yeah. what you think of. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, they like, yeah, in articles, like um, he will openly say, it's like, I have, I'm diagnosed with Asperger's and like in things like celebrities who have Asperger's. But it's not like you see things about that. It's like Dan Aykroyd, Asperger's actor or autistic actor is playing this. It's like, no, it's just Dan Aykroyd is playing this role. Yeah, and, and I want to clarify, I'm not beating on like, you know, disability or anything like that. I'm not no, beating no, on that. What's tricky is that I find a lot of times with disability, I find, and sometimes I think autism is a, I think of autism, I'm going to go use autism as an example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When someone says you're aut- autistic, there's two visions that people automatically go to. Mm. There is the one side, which is don't function very well, you know, you can't listen, can't communicate very well, can yeah. be aggressive and that. And then there's the other side, which is super genius, Professor Xavier, you know, can work Shell out any date or number. Theory. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's actually that that's a pretty good example there. But people seem to forget that there's a middle ground where mm. people can actually act like humans, <laughs> just get around, like you know, just go around and just do things that you would imagine that any other human to do. It's just like, it's just, uh, <laughs> that, and that's what I'm getting at. You know, yeah. it's like. So and, and, I would personally say, like, to put this under, like, one banner so we, like, have something to reject or recall, is it more to do with society and casting directors or industry professionals automatically putting you in a certain category and, like, a stereotype, for example, because they know you have a disability or you have a certain sexuality or you are of a certain skin colour? Is that what you I you think that to kind of sums it up, yes. I think that... I think I was trying, I don't know how to wear it as a quote. No, as a title, no, I, I, I completely you... get what you mean. It's like, and some people might be thinking, it's like, what are they talking about? And like, some people might think it's like, oh, they're saying this. It's like, no, like w- one thing I will say, like I'm terrible for it is I feel like I word things very weirdly. Like some in my head, it'll sound normal, but then some people will think it's like, well, hang on, that didn't make sense. Like, what are you trying to get at sort of thing? So that is one of the traits of Asperger's like, obviously with the communication we were just talking about is that it can be quite difficult for us to convey certain points that's why this podcast exists so we can improve on that yeah (laughs) but no i would i definitely think there needs to be uh this rejection that the stigma that people put on people and then like yeah just like you say chucking a label on people and saying you're this you can only do this hang on no no that's not how this works they can do other things we can do whatever we put our minds to i mean who says i can't play james bond i mean okay be a, a fatter <laughs> bearded more james bond but i mean why not look, I mean, look james bond had a very rough patch have you not seen any of the newer films maybe he went into exile and then went into wales picked up the accent and maybe he did put on a few pounds yeah maybe he did you, you don't know i mean like um I, I, mean, last film, but... I mean have you seen like the stress that he goes through in every film he's getting blown up he's getting um beaten down and like uh, new gadgets thrown at him i mean that would make you lose your hair as well that's quite stressful yeah just I, like fuck that i'm i'm done with this i'm just gonna sit here <laughs> eat welsh cakes all day long and just root for wales in the rugby that's what i'm gonna do now that's hello my name's bond james bond hello, name's bond uh, could I, <laughs> I I want to have a martini today, love. Uh, could I have a pint, uh, pint of brains? Yeah, pint of brains or a pint of strombo cider because I'm uh, cheap and cheerful now these days. I'm definitely rejecting that whole thing where people just label you and they think you can't do certain things just because they've labelled you or society or the media's labelled you. 
So yeah, I'm, I'm glad you got <laughs> what I was getting at there. Um, yeah, thank you for sticking with us, people. Like, um, it didn't take us ten years to get to the point. We were trying to go <laughs> figure this out along the way. So, <laughs> but then people um can have their own opinions on these things as well. That's why this podcast exists. <laughs> We are on Act 3 of the Reject or Recall podcast after a long-winded second act. Richard, what is the final act that you want to reject from the performance industry or just the arts in general? Taking a bit of a swipe at the British Arts Council, isn't it? (laughs) But this is snobbery of other art forms. And the reason I say I'm taking a swipe at the British Arts Council is because I was shocked to find out that stand-up doesn't count as an art form. I mean, other what? things are like according, according to Brit, yeah, according to Brit, the British Arts Council, stand up isn't considered an art form. You know, acting is, singing is, dancing is, but, but I just think, wait a minute, what is stand up? You know, you go on stage, you tell jokes and stories, you, you create people- characters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and some people, they actually play characters, not that, aren't even their names and make people laugh. So yeah. I think. How dare they? How dare they not make that an art form? I never realised that. I'm like thinking, stand-up comedy, there's loads of different ways of doing it. Like, you don't just see every single comedian in the world doing the paint-by-numbers way of doing it. Like, some people do sketches. Some people do um, satire. Some people do just... Slapstick, yeah. Some people do just um, go on stage and tell jokes. How is it not an art form? I don't... Was there any explanation for why it's not considered? I... Honestly, your guess is as good as mine. I don't know. I mean, the only thing I can think of is if, like, they're worried we may take the piss out of them. Well, well done. <laughs> just, like, not sticking it in there. Just, like... Maybe that was just... the intention from the Arts Council is basically, it's like, right, we want to get referenced more in comedy shows. Let's oh, say it's not an art form. <laughs> damn, I was playing the game all along. Just ah, like, it all makes sense now. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, as well, going back on the point of snobbery of other art forms, because this thing... For instance, I'm I'm not a dancer. And I'm not really interested in dancing, and um, I Unless wouldn't you've had go a few babies. Really... Yeah, <laughs> I mean pub dancing, I probably do. But um, like I, and if I saw a dance piece, I wouldn't really go out my way to see one. Mm. Not unless maybe I was paid a billion quid to do so. But I mean, like, but the thing is, though, I know dancing is an art form. Mm. It's an art form. There are lots of people who are interested in dancing. So I'm not going to diss it as an art form just because I'm not interested in it. It exists. Yeah. It's an art form. And there are people who are interested in it. Mm. I'm just not one of them. I'm interested yeah. in something else, you know. And I think, <laughs> allow that. But don't discard another art form and think, oh, mm. pff, it's just yeah, yeah, It's, it's still you know, some... Just, like surely if somebody's creating something and presenting it to an audience of some kind isn't that class as an art form i i'd i'd call it an art form actually there was a i can't remember who said it but there was a practitioner who said like apparently if you just have like a chair in public Hmm. and you see someone sitting down on a chair in front of all these people in public technically that's a performance just someone sitting on a chair yeah because there's lots of people around watching you sit on a chair and just like, and I think it was the great Bard Shakespeare that said, all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely, women merely players, which is exactly that. Exactly. Stand-up comedy seems more like an art form than some guy sitting in the chair. So, and a lot and more people good. are probably going to be interested in seeing the stand-up comedy rather than the guy sitting in the chair, unless they've got nothing else better to do creative with it you can do so much with it i mean yeah so, sometimes i do stand up use props i do a joke sometimes when i say like um i forgot my mask when going shopping and just think oh, shit i forgot my mask and <laughs> my wife saying well i don't go 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 in go in the car see if you can find uh, find a mask there and i come back on go off set and then i put on a demonic rabbit mask i do and say go around the shop <laughs> i mean uh, that's how creative you could be with Mm. And, and, and yes, I'm saying standard, but any art form you could be creative, you know, and you're right. If yeah. you can perform in front of somebody, whether it's in a box of Zoom like that, or on a stage, or mm. even in public, embrace the art form. And even if you don't like that particular art form, just accept it's there and yeah. appreciate it for being an art form. Don't just pff, kick and it it's out. A, it's a know. form of entertainment as well. Yeah. You've mentioned that, and I think to myself, this is an argument that will probably go on till the end of time, is people debating whether video games are art. A lot of people say, it's like, oh, no, they're not art. They're just uh, mindless nonsense. It's like, yeah, but if you um, play something as story-driven, like The Last of Us, The Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt, 
heavy rain any things that are more story based surely that should be considered as art but they say oh because you're playing a game they're not actually considered art so it's like so you're saying it can only be art if you're just sat there watching it which that doesn't make sense to me take apart this video game thing because i think it's an interesting one because <laughs> i'm analyzing it myself now i'm doing a little self-analyzing thing is i think about it, you have um characters don't you you're playing yeah. the game you're playing the character well, literally playing yeah. the character with the control now yeah but sometimes you get you get like you know in a sense there is an audience watching that happening mm-hmm. that's mostly mostly it's you yeah. and or if you unless you're doing like you know like playing over like you know like somewhere i don't know how you do it, but like if you do webcams and things like that then you mm-hmm. can get an audience there with other players yeah, yeah, watching yeah. what you do so i suppose in that sense it probably is a kind of performance because of that and you think of the youtube videos people do games you know mm. and you know they, they th- and they like you know they, their reactions when they like get killed or something like that or shot or <laughs> whatever you know that that's a performance that's a performance because you're showing an audience what you exactly and it brings a form of entertainment to people there's a really really good video on this and you couldn't watch it in depth it's by a channel called the closer look and it says our video game is art and he talks about a world war one game i think it came out about a couple of years ago battlefield one it was called one of the things like he was saying like how artistic it was was because like in the first level you're uh, shooting and shooting all these German soldiers but no matter how good you are you are still always going to die and then you change to another person and there's one bit in it that's really set the thing for it is like there's a non-playable character that you just see in no man's land create just like cradling with, with his head hand on his head like a child who's lost um, his mum or something because of the shell shock and it's like you can't tell me that that is not art because it's mm. not it's not just mindless entertainment because they're trying to convey the horrors of what wartime was like. And again, this goes back to a little bit to um, censorship again, like it's obviously grandparents and people who live like say in the first and second world war. Mm. And sometimes they said things like offensive about the Germans or the Japanese and stuff, which of course today we we think that's that's racist. You can't say that, you know. Yeah. But back then, you know, they, that probably would have been a lot a lot of it about. I mean, not saying Racism is good. I'm not saying that at all. But no, 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 of course. Just, you, but it does happen. You do get, you know, from another generation, they would say those things. They would yeah. say like, well... This is why you should learn from history rather than yeah. repeat it, as they say. I think art forms, I think, are a brilliant way of educating, I think. You know, there's, mm. I think... I remember there was a thing called theatre and education, which I was learning in school. Mm-hmm. And I think in many ways, and with comedy, I feel like that's probably the best thing to... At a time like the pandemic, when... Mm. When it was like, you know, everyone was, was basically in a prison pretty much, which was called their home. Yeah. More than any time they needed laughter, you know, just to get them through it, just to get through. And if someone complained about someone joking like in World War One or World War Two, which is a big serious thing, mm. maybe they needed that kind of laughter just to get them through something. You can't just have doom and gloom all the time. Just yeah. tear up for God's <laughs> sake. Precisely. That's why. So like, I'm, being, I'm being an advocate for stand-up here, just really <laughs> nailing the point. No, like, I, I, I completely... It's um, an art form. <laughs> it, it is definitely an art form because, one, like people have different reactions and also isn't the part of art supposed to gauge different reactions from people. Yeah, absolutely. But how many times have you seen a film or a television show, read a book, played a video game, watched a stand-up comedy show, and pretty much like a pop a portion of those people will either love it, some will hate it, some will be like, eh. It's like, but isn't that what art is? To have like a different um, amount of opinions? Yeah, I, I, I tell you what, it's made me think of, funnily enough, is The Life of Brian. Yeah. Because that one, like, I mean, and there's actually, because obviously that was quite controversial for its time, and there were like, people who, um, well, of course, there were religious people saying, ah, this is blasphemous, this is yeah, blasphemous, yeah, yeah. Get, get out, or something like that. <laughs> Actually, a lot of religious groups come together, and um, Eric Idle said, um, "Oh well, at least we've got all the major religious groups together for once." And <laughs> <laughs> <It's just> like... <laughs> um, but the thing is, as well, there was a film critic who said something interesting about that film, saying, "And he heard about all these controversies about, like, um, I think it was Gene Siskel, I think it was these mm. controversies about people calling it blasphemous." And you think, do they honestly think that the whole of religion is going to be brought down by a Monty Python comedy? <laughs> I mean. 
How shallow is that? They're the ones insulting religion, not the film. <laughs> Just like, and, and it's educational. Life of Brian, I, I would recommend Life of Brian in a heartbeat because mm. it's my favorite comedy film of all time. But it's because not only is it funny, it's clever. It, yeah. it educates as well. Like, I mean, especially a bit where they say, what have the Romans ever done for us? And then they go through an entire list of all the things they did. Like, no. It's just true. It's not yeah, true. Exactly. And this is why stand-up comedy should definitely be considered as an art form because you can watch so many different variations like i said there's so many different forms of it there is um typical stand-up where you go up do some jokes do some puns but then there's character stand-up slapstick sketch comedy with stand-up comedian sort of thing so and at the end of the day like a lot of comedians do gauge a different reaction from stuff that they talk about like i've seen comedians who have like a moment where they're actually going on about something serious but then they give you positive mindset on it so like i think it might have been ed boone and he was just saying oh yay. life is just too short so like to just stop worrying about things and like if you enjoy something great if you don't that's also fine as well but just have you should do what what you can with the time that you have and that is a form of art to me because it speaks to you which is what art's all about. Exactly. So Arts Council, I am going to reject that concept, even though it might um, hinder me from getting any funding for any future projects. Hey-ho, at least you got mentioned. <laughs> I know we said there was going to be three acts to this, but in the stand-up comedy tradition, I'm going to get Fit Rich here to give us a little encore because we want more. We want more. <laughs> so, Rich, is there one more thing that you can give us to send us off happily into the sunset? And what is it that you want to get out of this industry? I think this has been covered in another episode, but I'm going to say because there was a story to it. Is it Zack Snyder? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's who was responsible for it. Damn. Um, miscommunication from agents. And the reason I'm going to tell a story, because I was involved in an agency, and um, I was told, okay, I had to go to Newport by a certain time in the morning to do a modeling thing for the new university building that was going on in, in Newport. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, so I went to the best stop and, you know, paid for the ticket and went all the way there. Got And I brought, brought my clothes as well, brought like shirts and uh, mm-hmm. ties and everything like that. Got out there, got to the building uh, with, all, with all the other people who were being um, modeled that day. Yeah, yeah. I uh, went up to the room where we were going to be think, taking a picture. And then the guy who was responsible came and saying, oh, sorry, uh, you're Richard Newnham? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, I think you weren't you were needed today. You weren't. You uh, didn't have to be. And I was like, and my agent didn't tell me. My agent didn't tell me it wasn't needed the day before. And you just like, wasted bus fare to get to that audition. Yeah, I mean, on the other hand, I did no. have a coffee afterwards. But other than that, it's just, I would no. nice to have been known, you know, before coming there. Yeah. And yeah, I liked a coffee in Newport, but, you know, I could have had a coffee at home, you know, mm. after being told I wasn't needed. Just, oh. That is mental. Did, uh, did the agent um, say anything about that? Well, funny enough, they did say, um, I'm so sorry about that. So sorry, but don't we? Well, um, we'll find another part for you uh, eventually. And they never did. <laughs> it's just like, no, it's like I, I'm not worried about like you finding me another part. I'm on about the fact that you didn't tell me that I wasn't needed. Yeah, a little notice, a little notice before going all on a trek to... Um, <laughs> To Newport would have been nice. <laughs> on the, pl- on the plus side, at least you went um, heading up to London and then being told that. Oh, yeah. I think I, I know who you're talking about there. Yeah. Yeah, he, that um, could um, be a real pain in the ass. Yeah. Actually, funny enough, I spoke to Dan and I mentioned the story to him, funny yeah. enough. About how I told him about that story and he was, I think, equally as shocked he was about that happening. And it's just talk to people. It's like, just I know, communicate. Yeah, communicate. I mean, and Okay, we have the luxury of having the internet. Okay, mm. some places, but some places they wouldn't. So think, okay, how would you like to be educated? Maybe a letter or something. You know, just find some way of just informing people in advance. Don't just mm. like push them off. Like just, well, not, maybe not push them off, but you know, <laughs> lead them on a wild goose chase. You know, just mm. like. It's like when I found out my um, previous agent before um, I was with JK's management, who was an amazing agent, by the way. Check her out. I was with a agency that was they just stopped communicating and I was like, I hadn't heard off them in ages. And then they, I basically found out that they didn't exist anymore. (laughs) Yeah. So um, like this was like during the first lockdown, I think I thought to myself, 
I haven't actually heard off my agent or anything. So I thought I'd just check in just to make sure they were doing all right. I'm um, just saying like, I'm still here. And then literally I had no reply. And I thought, oh, okay. Like I have mentioned this on a previous podcast, but for those of you tuned in for the first time, I just kept um, writing, emailing, and just didn't hear nothing. I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. But then went on their social medias and Twitter account was deleted. Instagram didn't exist. And then Facebook, they haven't posted anything since 2019. That just sounds irresponsible, I think. I mean, yeah, so I tell someone, they say, Yeah, I don't know what happened. I, again, I haven't spoken to the guy since, so I don't know whether they, the business just failed and they just uh, cut their losses or anything, but at least tell the people who are on the books. Hmm. Maybe he got to the, went to the British Arts Council and said that stand up comedy wasn't an art form anymore. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why he went into hiding. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, it could be. I, I, think we, I think we cleared the mystery there. Well, mm. that is what it was all about all along. <laughs> People thinking they want to tune into a true crime podcast or like a detective show. Then you've got a detective mystery right here. Who actually said that the arts wasn't included for stand-up comedy? Well, it was my former agent. What a twist. What a twist. What a twist. Oh, God, not M. Night Shyamalan, please. Not him again. Oh. Oh, yeah, I could, the I the one who famously told us that um, aliens can be stopped by wooden doors. <laughs> yeah. And the guy who murdered um, the Avatar franchise. Oh, boy. Yeah. And the credibility oh. of Will Smith. Mm. I might just have to have like, a couple of episodes where I just like rant about like certain films that we just hate. So <laughs> communication is important. And I think it's not just nature, but of any art form, communication yeah. is important. And I- yeah, I think people who don't communicate certain things is definitely a red flag in any industry. Like, for example, in wrestling shows, especially on the independent scene, like a lot of people are traveling like up and down the country from different parts of uh, the UK, sometimes across the world. And then I've heard stories from wrestlers who have driven so far and then only to get to the venue and be told, oh, the show's not happening. What, why we've we've driven for five hours why didn't you just text and it was just like then they got their petrol paid for but it was like now you gotta drive five hours back home it's a bit like those when you have a school kid say to their mum you know like um mommy can we can we make sure we get some uh, uh, a certain thing for school you know because mm. his homework is oh sure when do you need it tomorrow tomorrow that's basically what it feels like <laughs> except it's worse because it's the day after that's what all the same day it's like, yeah when, when do you when do you need to buy yesterday but I can only do it till today. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, last minute. Or not even last minute. Last oh, oh, it frustrates me. Post minute. It, it frustrates me so much when people just don't communicate or tell you anything. I don't care if you go out of business. Just tell people what's happening. Keep us in the loop. Yeah, send an email. Send a message. Any way, any way possible, tell us something is up or there's a change. Yeah. Tell us. Use then, the mouth. Use yeah. the fingers. Oh. <laughs> oh god rejecting the lack of communication not just in the arts but just any field of life even if you're just um telling somebody it's like you say oh i need to do something for my homework when do you need to done by tomorrow oh what no like if you've got a job and that job's been cancelled tell me oh god. oh god almighty but yeah that's going down the trap door Tara, lack of communication. Please get away from us. I don't want to see you again or hear from you ever again. But I want to hear from you anyway because you're bad at communicating. <laughs> right then, so that was a lovely little encore from Richard Noonman. It has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And I can't believe it's been six years. Six years oh, yeah, was the last time I saw you. Yeah, so like yeah. the last time I saw you was at the Flatmates premiere, which was 2016. Time's just flown. It's insane. Oh, it's mental, man. But like, so for the audience listening right now, if you did enjoy this episode, guys, Richard, can you please tell the audience where they can find you on social media? And this is your time to plug anything that you've got coming up. So like maybe some gigs in the future, projects you've got coming up. This is your time to plug whatever you want. Okay, what to say? Well, um, I've got um, a Facebook stand-up page, which is imaginatively <laughs> called Richard Newnham Stand-Up Comedian. <laughs> I've also got a YouTube page called Rich Newnham Comedy and Arts or Rich Newnham Comedy and Arts. Mm-hmm. You can find stuff there. Yeah, if you go on those two things, then you may find some of the, some of my material done, both comedy and art forms. And I mean, I've got one in Cornwall with part of an open mic thing, but I'm eager to do any gig possible. So just bring them on. I'm up yeah. for doing it. And what about uh, stuff like you said earlier, like uh, where can people watch Flatmates? Oh, yes. Yes. Um, well, there's a hijinks 
Theatre YouTube page. Mm-hmm. And you should check that out because um, there's lots of things. There. There's lots of uh, videos to do with like shows, Flatmates Done and um, trailers and interviews. But mm-hmm. also amongst there is the all five episodes of Flatmates. And yeah, and it shows everything, all the episodes that we've done and all the madness that came up in our <laughs> mad, mad little brains at the time. Yeah. So. And also for a nice bit of nostalgia as well. Definitely check it out. Yeah, definitely. And it's just a fun little project. And if you like the young ones, if you like space, then it's basically that for set in Wales. <laughs> but thank you guys so much for tuning into this podcast today. You've been listening to Scott Anthony Christie on the Reject or Recall podcast. And you can listen to this episode on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts. And you can also tell me what some of your pet peeves are in just any form of life, not just the arts, at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Reject or Recall, and it'll come up with a lovely painting of me done by Fionn Drakely. If you don't laugh, you cry. There they well said. Have a lovely day, guys, and thank you again, Rich. Oh, hi. There we are, getting a bit of Welsh there. Love it. <laughs> You're